0: Amen. We've been talking about, we went from church membership to talking about true versus false conversion. Amen. I told you um, when I'm done with this, I have something that we're moving into. We're going to talk about the difference between a carnal, amen, a carnal and a spiritual, spirituality or carnality. Amen. What is it? Is someone spiritual? Are they carnal? And this is the thing that happens in the in the in the Christian's life. Sometimes you don't know what you are just yet. You're just going through the motions. Come on, somebody. You're just kind of fitting in. But I want to tell you something. As a child of God, you got to remind yourself that you don't just fit in if God has saved you, because God has saved you. You are no longer, amen, an outsider in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, amen. I told you that um, <clears throat> conversion involves turning one's back to the system of the world, amen, to its anti-God values, amen. I told you it involves turning from dead religion to relationship, amen, amen. Uh, conversion, it involves the idea, amen, of changing direction. So oftentimes people say, well, I'm saved, amen, but they haven't changed direction, amen. Uh, it's Listen, conversion is not a partial change, wherein one is able to straddle is the one I love. The one is able to straddle the fence between two worlds. That, you know, that's not a true conversion. Amen. It's not a superficial turning or a merely rearranging, watch this, of the outward stuff in your life. Amen. No, conversion starts in the heart. Amen. And when a person is truly converted, amen, they are then, amen, they have all the necessary equipment or all the necessary things they need from when I say equipment, I meant the full armor of God. See, I'm, I'm thinking in those 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 in that in that mindset that oftentimes when I think about the Christian's life, I realize that God has given us an armor. Amen. He says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The the wiles of the devil. Amen? Uh, A conversion is a decisive break with the old pattern of life. Come on, somebody. And now it's embracing the new life. That's what conversion is. Conversion is not just someone who has a feeling for a week and then it's gone. Are you with me? It's, It's the fact that It started at repentance. When we repented of our sins, it started there. It's the justification process. Amen. So so go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Just kind of laying it out again for you. 2 Peter chapter 3. So there's 1 Peter and then there's 2 Peter. Chapter 3. All right. You should bring your Bible to Bible study, okay? Because uh, you need it. Second Peter chapter three verse nine, and 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 this is it. This is this is what God wishes. This is His wish. Uh, it says here, but do not let this one fact escape you. I'm reading verse eight, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is like what one day. The Lord is not slow about his what? Promise. See, the one thing that you have to remind yourself as a believer always is that what happened to you at the moment that you accepted Christ is a done deal. That what God promised, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead, that you are saved. There's nothing that you can do to become unsaved. All right? Oftentimes, that's the area that the devil plays with. Watch this. Because he wants you to look at what you're doing currently and cause you to doubt that you were were saved, that you were even converted. But I, I encourage somebody here tonight to do this keep coming. In spite of what you're dealing with in your life, keep coming. Here's the thing. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. You understand what I'm saying? The only perfect person that walked the earth was Jesus. And the reason why I say keep coming, because a converted person really wants this. They don't want nothing else. They have given up the appetite for the world. Come on, help me. He says God is not slow about his promise as some count slowness. But is what? See, what I found out is this. God is a very patient God. It may take years for Do you remember how long it took for you? Anybody anybody can say that it took God was real real patient with you. Come on, somebody, that that that, that but you got to look what the text is saying. It says that what we count, see, here's the thing. We're waiting for some people, right? Uh, you know, let's just, we're waiting for some people to change, right? And we're saying, when are they going to change? How long is it going to take? You see, that's our timetable. See, everything that we go through in life, watch this, it will bring us to a true conversion or it will bring us to a false conversion because watch this, the things we go through in life will cause us to reflect on what God has done or what God is trying to do and sometimes for some of us, we gotta hit rock bottom See, for us to change. Watch this. But people on the outside may be looking in, talking about or saying, man, how long it's going to take for him to change? How long is it going to take for her to change? But the Bible says that God does not get tired of waiting on us. Come on, somebody. Wish I had a few people tonight. God is not slow about his promise. What You say, well, pastor, what is his promise? His promise is this, that he died on the cross for us sinners. And by our confession of our faith in him, we are saved. But it's not up to me, it's not on my timeline Come on and help me somebody. It's not in my timeline. It is in God's timeline. It is on God's timetable. I love this passage. He says he's not slow about his promise but is patient towards you. Not wishing. See here's the thing. If you die without knowing Jesus it wouldn't be because you didn't hear the gospel. Lord have mercy. It will be because you choose not to believe in the gospel. You with me? Here's what I'm trying to say to you and I today. Here's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say tonight is that a person, and tonight I want to talk about the characteristics. Amen. I want to talk tonight. Amen. Amen about what it looks like, okay? Uh, I want to talk about the characteristics of a true convert. But I wanted to lay it right here to, to say to you and I that God's been waiting on you. Uh, and, and may I say this to you? You can't outweigh him. We can't outweigh him. Look what it says. It says that Oh man. Not wishing that what? For any to what? To what? People people have a wrong concept about God. You know, some people got a wrong concept of oh God is punishing me. God ain't punishing you. I already told you uh, in Houston, I already told you that God is sovereign. He doesn't cause evil. The things that we go through, we put ourselves through it. Let's, let's just take credit for it. And then we want to blame everybody else for what we have done, but not take a good look at what, you know, all the whole picture. Right? Watch this now. He says, God, this is God. He's patient towards you. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to what? Repentance, the moment, listen, the convert that's born again, at the moment of conversion, the converted person is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the journey now begins of turning away from sin and beginning to serve God. You know, there's characteristics. When when someone gets saved and then they get converted, there are characteristics that's so clear that you could see it from a mile away. That this person is really... May I ask you a question. Will you be here next year? Now, I'm not talking about routines. I'm not talking about loyalty I'm talking about a relationship that you have with Christ that you have that relationship through the church and you see yourself doing this for a lifetime that's a truly converted person truly converted person does not waver and go back to where they were Know why? Because they realized that where they were were not. They were first of all, it wasn't good for them. But as I said last week, there's no compatibility anymore. You ever try going back after God really clean you up, right? And you try going back, it just doesn't feel the same, huh? It just does not. I'm saying one more time, it just does not feel the same. It's like you try to fit in, but you just can't fit in. You know, you try to hang out with some of the same people you were hanging around with. Watch this. And then all of a sudden you find out that, man, I'm, this ain't this ain't it. This, this ain't it. <laughs> Amen. Listen, listen to this. A false conversion is not a conversion. A false conversion may look like a true conversion. But I want to help you with something. In the bank, what they do in order for them to identify, amen, counterfeit money. Come on, somebody. It has to go through. Come on, somebody. Huh? And so what they do is they put the counterfeit money and they mix it in with the real money. Y- you with me? And, and and listen, a counterfeit $100 bill, it looks real. Follow me on this. Matter of fact, you can hold it and think it's real. You can put it together with a real $100 bill and say, now nah, I got 200 but when you get to the store, when it comes under the test, come on somebody, come on somebody. What, what happens is this. What was fictional becomes now a reality. What you didn't know becomes real to you. Why? Because it's been put under the what? Test. The reason many believer many believe they are true Christians when they're not is because maybe they were exposed to false teaching. Listen to me real good now. False teaching will cause you to believe that you're really saved for a long time. And That's the reason why we have a mass exodus of the church today because people are tired of being fooled. Do I have a witness? They're they're getting tired of, of, of hearing certain things. And what how is it that you sit in church for 20 years and nothing changes about you? The pastor changes, his car changes. His house changes certain people in the circle stuff changes but you are the exact same you just been listening to the same thing over and over again but nothing is changing here's the why you know you're sitting on the good teaching you're changing. You're not being forced to change. You're not being pried to change. But there's something that's going on inside of you that when you hear the word, it burns in your heart and then you're able to apply it. Are you following me? False teaching. All right. The other thing that happens with false conversions is this. Many believe that their religious traditions such as being baptized as an infant, um, secured their spot in heaven. Or some believe that plenty good works, you know, feeding the community, good works, that means I'm saved. Can I tell you why people, why unbelievers do good works? Why they have so many philanthropists out here? Because they're trying to cover up their depravity. So they figure if I do good works, people won't know who I really am. And they have to cover up their conscience because they're doing so much dirt that watch this they have to overcompensate with good works to ignore what's really going on inside of them. You better hear me on that one. That one is true. All right. Now watch this now. Good works don't get you in heaven. You know what gets you in heaven? Repentance. Acceptance of Christ. That's it. Now, now what we have to look at now, the first thing we have to look at in a the characteristics of a of a true convert. The first fruit that you see in that life. You ready? Write this one down. Is the fruit of repentance. This person comes to repentance. Now now you say, Pastor, what is repentance? That word repentance means turning from to something. It's an about-face. It's what it is. So the first fruit of a new convert is what? The fruit of what? Repentance. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 3. Oh, we're going to have some fun tonight. Now, Zacchaeus, Matthew chapter 3. Ah, goodness. I love to hear those pages turn. Matthew Matthew chapter three and verse eight. What does it say there? Let's back up real quick. Um yeah, back back up the verse uh, well all right. John the Baptist is preaching. And we go, just go to verse 7. It says what? But when he saw many of the what? Coming for what? Alright, now, now here's the thing. Want me to lay it out for you? Here's the deal. Before Jesus was born, right? John the Baptist is actually Jesus' cousin. Got that? John the Baptist, God prepared him before Jesus went public with his ministry. He was the one that God used to say, Make ready. God is coming. Repent and be baptized. He had one message. He he was baptizing people, and people were coming to God. All right? Christ hadn't started his ministry yet, he was the forerunner. He was the herald. He was the one, amen, that was given the good news first before Jesus came on the scene and went public with his ministry, right? So if you look what it says here, it says, and when, but watch this. uh, Look at verse 5. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed. Fast their what? Let me help you with something. A convert bears the fruit of repentance by confessing their sins. Listen to this. You have a lot of people who, who offer Christ to people who, when they when they accept Christ, they ain't sorry about their sins. You know what they're giving them? A free ticket to heaven. If you confess with your mind, believe in your heart, Jesus Christ died. If you accept Christ in your heart, you'll go to heaven. Oh, okay. Who wouldn't wouldn't take that deal? Who wouldn't take that deal? But the proper way to present the gospel is to say, are you a sinner? Oh, no, I ain't no sinner. No, I ain't no sinner. See, and if that person cannot first see themselves as a sinner, how, how why would they need a savior? Watch what, watch what John was doing. John was baptizing them, but they were what? Confessing their sins. That's the way, that's a true convert. You know why people don't truly convert? Because they're not sorry for their sins. Straight up. They're not, they, they don't see that, that's why we say, well, we just ask for forgiveness after. You know what I'm talking about, man. You know, God gonna forgive us. What if you died in the middle of the act? I'm just saying. <laughs> How you gonna ask for forgiveness then? You you know, people play Russian roulette with their Christian life, see? You, you know, God does not look at sin like, Okay, you know we we know once saved always saved by grace and all that kind of stuff, but I, I I you know I showed you last week why would you put Christ to shame again by practicing the very thing that watch this that He delivered you from? You with me? A true convert is sensitive to sin. Like, man, listen, man, I shoot, I. You know, okay, Lord, I gave in this time. I gave in this time, but shoot, I man, listen, I'm gonna make this no practice now, okay? Because you feel bad. Can I tell you something? If you sin and you don't feel bad, check your heart. For real, like check it, because sin makes you feel bad as a believer, as a true convert. But, but it moves you to what? Confess. So John the Baptist is confessing, is, is baptizing and they're confessing and saying, and look who showed up. The religious people. I'm trying to help you with something here. Listen, let me tell you something. Among the true converts, there will be some false converts that show up talking about we want to confess too. But here's how I know who's who. Time tells the story because the person comes and they say, "Oh, I confess my sins." Okay, all right. praise the Lord, we are so happy. But three weeks later, a month later, two months later, six months later, are you still in church? Are you still here? Are you still as committed to Bible study? Are you still committed to worship? Are you growing? Are you reading? Are you studying? Have you been through everything that you need for discipleship to grow and become everything that God intended you to be? See? That's how you know if they're real or not. But watch the Pharisees came out there and the Sadducees. These were the religious people of the day. These were church people, y'all. These were like the people that knew scripture. They knew it back, front, left, right. Every jot and tittle, they could break it down for you. But look what John says to them. (laughs) John said, you brood of vipers. Good Lord, have mercy. Did he not call them out? He called him out, then he? Look what he said. He says, uh, who wants you to flee from the wrath to come? He says, therefore, bear what? in Bear the fruit. Oh, I'm going to help somebody tonight. By doing what? Okay, okay, okay. Let me do let me, let me something. By what? Keeping with what? In other words, don't forget when you repented how bad you felt. How you came and you dropped to your knees or whatever you did and you were truly true. You know, repentance means I'm sorry. You know, back in the Old Testament day, you know how they would show that they were grieving and sorry? They would strip down to their, strip down their clothes Take their clothes off and sit in the ashes. They put dirt on them, ashes all over them, on their face and everything, to show that they were mourning. May I ask your question, and I'm just asking this Do you feel bad? Are you keeping with your repentance? You see, John laid it out to them because he knew that they knew the word. See, just because you got one, you know, piece of information that you can confess your sins, don't abuse that. So the person who's a true convert, they have what I call the fruit of repentance because they keep reminding themselves and they they're keeping up with the fact that man I repented. Lord I, I I I've asked for forgiveness. Watch watch what he says. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves see 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 how they were? See see how these pharisees were? We have what for what? For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up what? See that? The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree this is it. This is it. This is it. A true convert will bear fruit. Fruit. What does that mean, pastor? Your life becomes fruitful. So in other words, what you do in life, it brings joy to everybody else. The fruit of your lips. The fruit of your heart. The fruit of your worship. Your your temperament, your mindset about things. Listen, you are a fruit, but he says the axe is already laid to the what? To the to the what? To the root. Why? Because here's the thing: if you don't keep up, in other words, what I'm saying to you is this: there should not be a day that you do not repent before you go to bed. You ask for forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? When you rise up in the morning, you know, unless you did something while you were asleep, I'm just saying, you know, just, just, you have to keep up with repentance because repentance, write this down, is a reminder of how much you need God. Repentance is a reminder of how much you and I need God, God's forgiveness. Repentance is a reminder of how much we need God's what? Forgiveness. So what? He says keep up with it. Don't start and stop. Because the ax is a what? Already laid at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bear one of fruit, y'all. Huh? Good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit. May ask your question. If God illustrates us, picturizes us as a tree, may I ask you a question to you tonight? Honestly, how's your fruit? I'm sorry. Are you bearing any fruit? Are you fruitful? What type of fruit are you? Are you a lemon? Always sour and mad? And you know what I mean? Are you a lime tree? What, what are you? you? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, are you a grapefruit? You know, (laughs) are you an apple tree? What what type of tree? See, but we're not talking about that type of tree. We're talking about, here comes, ready? The fruits of the Spirit. Love. Joy. See, you and I are sometimes looking for joy in circumstances. But if you're bearing the fruit of joy, you don't need nobody to hype you up to be joyful. Love, faithful. Listen, you know why people are faithful? It's because they're bearing the fruit of faithfulness. It's not just attendance. Come on, y'all. When I see people who are inconsistent with God, I know they don't have the fruit of faithfulness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, so 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 so, the, so so it's something that you have to really ask yourself as a true convert: Am I bearing the fruits of a true convert? Because the life of a true convert is fruitful. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Go, go to Luke chapter nineteen, real quick. Luke chapter nineteen. Luke chapter 19, thank you, Lord, tonight. This is Zacchaeus. I'm mean, sorry, Zacharias. Is that Zachari- No, that's Zacchaeus, I'm sorry. All right. Getting mixed up something. Zacharias is another one. Okay. Somebody read for me. I want to show you something. He entered Jericho. Go ahead. Zacchaeus. Uh All right, so let's stop right there, okay? So a tax collector in those days were the lowest scum of the earth. They would look at them like, man, you don't even, that's why, the the, the Pharisees say, "Why does your Why does Jesus sit with tax collectors and sinners? Because he was hanging in the hood. He was hanging with the thugs. You understand what I'm saying? So, it's in our language, you understand it's like here, it's like he he's in the trap house for real, like chilling with them. That's the mindset they had because that's what they thought about tax tax collectors. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and not only that. But he was rich. Read on. Little short fellow. So not only was he rich, but he had a short man syndrome. Okay, so he, whenever he walked in the room, he would command attention and all that kind of stuff because he was unsure of himself. So he had to compensate with his riches. People who are short, they got problems. Go ahead. Not all of them. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Now watch this. He was curious about Jesus. See, that's how God gets us. We hear about, man, this church, man, hearing about this, right? And then we go and we're curious. But here's the thing though you gotta understand that you have to accept the invitation. But Jesus was inviting Himself to His house. And for Zacchaeus, it's like, hold on now. You sure you wanna come to my house? (laughs) You sure you wanna come through the hood? You sure, Jesus? Keep reading, mhm stop right there, see his reputation preceded him, right? but watch this, they're trying to figure see this is the thing about Christ. We don't understand, man. Christ came for us. Sinners. The Pharisees thought he came for a special group of religious people who are living large. You know what I mean? Who who got it down. That ain't what he came for. He came for Zacchaeus. He came for him. He came for him because he was a what? A sinner. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. A sinner. Every now and then you got to reflect. Okay now now some people get offended when you use that word. Some people don't want to think about what they were and that's all fine and good. But listen, if if your past is still offending you in the present, did you really repent? I'm not ashamed of what I was. Because the God I serve has rectified my wrongs, y'all. I ain't ashamed of that. So don't be ashamed of what you were. Were, past tense. Watch this. Go on. Stop right there. Now, let me show you what a true convert it looks like. All right, watch this. Look at it carefully. Jesus entered his house. By being in the presence of Jesus, guess what happens to you and I? We see ourselves. Ain't nobody asked him anything about who he, listen, you know how you know a guilty person? Because they just start confessing stuff that you didn't even ask him. He didn't ask him what he did. He just confessed. You're he like, he like, oh my God, that's what I'm trying to tell you about true converts, but a true repentance. The fruit of repentance. In other words, you realize, man, I done did some wrong now. And I want to right that wrong. Look at it. When you come in the presence of Jesus and you have a true conversion, you will confess it, y'all. You will repent of it. Look what he says. He says, he said, now, Lord, uh, behold, half of my possession I will give to the poor. Watch this. This man was rich. But what would cause a rich man to depart from half of what he has. You know why some people don't tithe? They're not converted. I'm going to say it one more time. reason why I got to come up here every week and say, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. It's been two months now we've been struggling. Come on, y'all. Why do I have to keep... Because I believe that some people are not converted. Because when you're truly converted, Christ can get everything. Tenth, the tenth is holy. It belongs to him. But you don't need to hear that over and over again if you're truly what? From the moment you get some money in your hands, the first thing you think about is who? God, I got, you don't think about, man, I got to pay these bills Now I got to do it. A truly converted person, they give. Watch what it says. The text says, he says, I'll give half my percent. This man was a billionaire to the poor. And if, now he lied. You should have said, and because I defrauded anyone, <laughs> you know, of anything, I give back how many times? Four times as much. And this is a true sign. Watch this. Jesus said, today, what has come to his house? Salvation has come to his house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek And to save that which is lost. This is what I call a rescue mission. Didn't God rescue you? Didn't he come where you were and found you? Did he not save you? How can we hold back from him? Or anyone as a matter of fact. A true convert bears that fruit. But here's the other fruit that I see in here. When he says, And if I defrauded anyone of anything, write this down. Ready? The fruit of reconciliation. See? Truly converted people don't hold on to grudges. And whoever they've wronged, they go and make it right. I'm gonna say it one more time. Whoever they have wronged, they go, and I never forgot when I got saved, I had to call a bunch of people. I'm telling you the truth, man. I had to call some people that I didn't want to call. Matter of fact, it wasn't until two years ago I finally found some people that I did super wrong in, in, in Chicago. Found them. I finally found them. And I apologized. And you know what they said to me? Man, I was mad at you for years, man. But why is it twenty some years later the Lord still had me to find them and reconcile with them? Let me show you why. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's all in the word, y'all. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We done, y'all. Y'all only got the two, y'all. Y'all was wrong for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And those of you online watching, if you have questions, let us know. And then if you've learned something, let us know what you learned. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Well, let's go in verse 17. Therefore, that was supposed to be your uh, memory scripture, what, last week? Uh, and I'm sure you got it for this week, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? Old things. See, you can't, listen, when I say the remembrance of your repentance, it, you're not keep repeating the old things. It's not that. It's, it's about you understanding that it's because of your repentance it keeps you honest. Keeps you faithful. Right? Look what he says. He says, oh, old things have passed away, new things have come, right? Verse 18. Now all these things are what? Oh man, it's from God. Look what he says. All these things have come. Who what? Who who did what? Reconciled us to who? See, the first reconciliation that happens is between us and God. Before you can go say you're sorry, listen, some of you have been holding on to grudges for years because you have not reconciled with God. But when you reconcile with God, now, the reconciliation here is for salvation, but what I'm trying to say to you is a true convert understands that because my relationship with God has been reconciled and made right, watch this, and the gratitude that you have because of that, you're going to make it right with other people. That's what that's about. Watch this. Watch what he says. Who reconciled us to what? To himself. Through Christ, and what did He do? And he gave us what? The ministry. You know, you know what? Some of us haven't been faithful with our ministry. You know what ministry does? Ministry serves people. If you took one, two or one, you know that. Ministry' is about people. So God gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So that way, it wouldn't be hard to go to others and say, man, I'm sorry. In other words, throughout your Christian life, you're not going to keep short accounts. You're not going to keep long accounts. You're going to keep short accounts because guess what? you realize that there are other elements out here and God is saying to you and I tonight, here's what he's saying. He's saying the true converts, the characteristics. Number one, fruit of what? Number two, fruit of reconciliation. And here's the thing. When you and I are reconciled to Christ, it means that your relationship with him now is 100. It means you're back with the Father. You know, you could come in his presence. You can dance. You can sing. I, I often wonder, in worship, like, why do people act like strangers? Because they haven't reconciled with God. Because they have not gotten it right with him before they came in. But why did they come in? Routine? You brood a viper. The axe is already laid at the at the root. Come on now. Now now you got to be fruitful or else you're going to get chopped down. So Christ says, listen, listen to you, listen. You have a ministry. I'm sorry, we have a ministry. And here's what the ministry is. To never Walk away from each other with something in our hearts for each other. You with me? And that's the ministry that we have. That we have a ministry of reconciliation. Amen. And so I'm saying to you tonight that God has given us a pass. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Then you ought to give somebody else a pass. But here's the other thing. A true convert, true convert, bears fruits. Amen? Amen. Give God a hand, clap, of praise tonight. All right. Any questions tonight? Questions tonight? How do you have joy in the midst of waiting? You have to look at uh, Psalm 40. It says, they that wait, here's the thing, it depends on what you're waiting on. You have to change the object of what you're waiting for and make it the Lord. Because of what I'm teaching in Houston about God's sovereignty, that God is in control of everything. Every aspect of everything. So what you have to do is change who you're waiting for. And wait on God. But that scripture I gave you yesterday. Did you read it? Psalm 37. Oh man, that's powerful scripture. Fret not thyself because of what? Evildoers. Be not envious of the wicked. You know what I'm saying? Because their end is their end. But those that wait upon the Lord. So I believe that it's the it's it's who you're waiting on. Or what you're waiting on, but you gotta take the word out and start waiting on the Lord because He says, They that wait upon the Lord, He will renew their strength, He will mount them up with wings like eagle. You're gonna be able to soar higher than your problems. Why? Because you're waiting on the Lord. That's the key. That's the key. Change the object. Okay, God, I'm waiting on you. Can I tell you something? One of the hardest things for me to learn was waiting. Because waiting can be tedious until I learned that concept that I just gave you. That I started to say, okay, God, I'm waiting on you. But I trust that you know what you're doing. See, we second-guess God because we think that he does not know you, you know what I mean. Like, okay, look at where I'm at. Look at my situation. He knows. That situation didn't catch him by surprise, but what should catch you by surprise is how you respond. And then change that.